welcome to season four of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter pop culture podcast. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Ayla. And today we're talking about season four, episode two of The Good Place. So when this episode opens up, things aren't going great. They're not really sure how to crack through and get these humans on board and improving. In particular, Brent is causing a lot of problems. So Eleanor's plan is to um, make him realize that he's not so great in all the rest of these people, but it's not working. So she makes this little fake game show about how you tell what you've done to be so great. And um, there's this woman that saved a bunch of ducks. Not a bunch of ducks. Every duck. <laughs> and um, Eleanor thinks that Brent will realize that he hasn't saved a bunch of ducks. Or every duck. And realize that he's not as great as everyone else. But what does he do, Mom? Well, instead, he just insists that he's just as good as all of these people because he inherited his his father's business and turned it from a $90 million business to a $94 million business over the course of 18 years. For those of you who don't know much about how inflation works, that means that he actually lost money because just the general course of inflation should have made it worth a lot more than that. In other words, Brent really didn't accomplish much of anything in his life. He was handed over a bunch of wealth and he kind of squandered it. He wasted it. And all he does is brag about himself. Um, and we also get a sense that he was inappropriate to the people around him. that he sexually harassed his assistant, that he has said some really homophobic things. Just in general, Brent was a jerk. And if that wasn't better enough, Eleanor's leadership skills are being questioned by the others. So the first thing we want to talk about from this episode is what plan Eleanor finally takes to try to get Brent back on track. Because it's obvious that she's not going to be able to get him to do any self-reflection just by putting him next to someone who really did do something great. So instead, she and Michael come together and they use the same plan that they used on Eleanor. They make the world around him reflect all of his comments and his college colors, all the same stuff they did at the very beginning to make Eleanor feel like she's the problem causing chaos in the neighborhood. And in some ways, it works. Brent does say, you know what? I don't think I belong here. And when Michael and Eleanor are about to celebrate, he says, I belong somewhere better. Not the good place. The best place. That's right. Confronted with evidence that he's causing chaos, he believes it's because they have wrongly put him in a place that isn't good enough for him. I mean, obviously, there's chaos happening around him, and it's definitely not any of his fault. But Eleanor and Michael think they can find a way to work with this. They are going to make it a competition to get into the best place with good deeds. But they already know that this isn't going to work because if you do it for the wrong motive, then it's not going to count as points. But Eleanor says that this was like her situation. She did these good things for the wrong reason and it became like muscle memory and she just did them automatically. So the hope here is that by kind of forcing Brent to act like a better person because he thinks that's the only way he's going to get ahead, that they will actually train him to do some actions that really do make him a better person. I got to admit, it sounds like a pretty not great plan to me. Really? I like it. I like it when other people take risks. I don't like taking them, but I like it when other people do it. 
I guess we'll find out whether or not it works in a few episodes. But I'm just going to go on the record as saying I'm not a believer. Meanwhile, things just go downhill from there, and Simone doesn't think that any of this is real, and she's the only thing that actually exists, and her brain just conjured up all the rest of this. This demonstrates pretty heavily that if you don't believe that other people are real or matter, then you're not going to take any responsibility for your actions, because why would you if they're just figments of your imagination? So this leaves them at pretty much... Square one when it comes to Simone, because if they can't get her to even admit that the other people exist, they certainly can't get her to improve. And Michael has a plan, but Eleanor is not excited. So, um, Michael thinks that if we get Chidi to talk to Simone and, like, um, tell her that this is, like, insane and that things are real and stuff, um, but Eleanor, since Chidi and Simone had a relationship on Earth, she does not want she to talk to Simone because um, she's afraid that they might fall in love again. Ultimately, though, Eleanor is able to put aside her very, I, I'm, I don't want to call it selfish because I really empathize with Eleanor not wanting the man she loves to be put with this other woman. But, I mean, ultimately, I guess it is pretty selfish if it means the rest of humanity is doomed. So Eleanor is able to put that aside and not only does she put Chidi and Simone together to try to help Simone overcome this, she tells Chidi that he and Simone are soulmates. I think we should give a round of applause for Eleanor because this was probably really hard. Yes, yes, very good, Eleanor. Unfortunately, her becoming a better person doesn't help humanity get saved, so we've got to get these other ones on board. So one of the things that comes out of Chidi talking to Simone is solipsism? You got it! Solipsism! Tell us what it means. It's the idea that you're the only real thing in the universe and everything around you isn't real. So this is a real philosophy that some people have, but as Chidi points out to Simone, it's pretty juvenile. In fact, we tend to think about it as a development stage that very little kids have when they think that the whole world is them. And as they learn that they really can't interact with the world, it's pretty mind-blowing that, that other people also have emotions, that other people also have thoughts, that people have lives around even when you can't see them. Once kids start to realize that, their whole mind view expands. As we've seen from season three, that some problems can only be solved by throwing something wet at someone else. And Chidi does this with frozen yogurt. And when Simone's like, why did you do that? Chidi says, what do you mean? None of this is real. Simone admits that when she can feel the frozen yogurt on her nose, it actually does feel pretty real. So, what if we talk about the... I don't know, let's say 99% chance that all of this is fake in, in your imagination. But what about the 1% chance that it is real? And then you're just being mean to everyone for no reason. Ultimately, he gives her a risk assessment and says, look, if you're right and none of this is real, then being nice doesn't matter anyway, but neither does being mean. But if you're wrong and this is real, then you being mean is really hurting people. So shouldn't you err on the side of being kind in case it really is making a difference? And that seems to get into her head and get through to her. So hopefully Simone will, you know, stick with this and 
start being nice. The other big story from this episode is that the other humans are starting to question Eleanor's leadership abilities. Things aren't going well. They're running out of time. And Sahani and Janet have come to Michael and they're saying, look, I don't think she can hack it. This is not going well. Someone else needs to be appointed leader. And while they're saying this and Michael's like, no, she can handle it, Eleanor overhears them and she hears that the entire team doubts her and wants a leader change and she gets really upset. In true old Eleanor fashion, she quits. She says, fine, you don't like me, you do it better and storms out. But then Michael follows her. And then Michael says, you can't just quit. Like, everything is at stake here, and they need Eleanor. And she can't just quit from this team because she committed. So that pep talk really brings up a lot of questions about leadership and how leadership works. In fact, it brings us to our question of the day. Our question of the day is, what makes a good leader? You could pause the podcast so you can talk about it, think about it, write about it, and then come back. Welcome back. So what do you think, Ayla? What makes a good leader? It depends on what you're leading. Because, I mean, if you, you wouldn't want a very strict teacher that, that um, only cared about good grades. And those are important, but you wouldn't want them leading a 50-person dance crew. But you wouldn't want a 50-person dance crew leader to teach a class. Unless they're, like, trained for it and did all of the important things and the commitment. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that part of what makes you a good leader is that you have the skills and experience for that specific job. Is that fair? Yes, but in this case, there were no preparations because this was a brand new thing that was still in the testing phase. Which happens in real life too, right? Sometimes things are brand new. Sometimes we're asking people to innovate in a way that has never been done before or to step way outside of expected norms. And so sometimes leaders are called to do things that they don't have experience or expertise in. So to properly like imagine this one, I think we need to imagine something that's never been done before, being done. So let's say... Time travel. Um, if somebody was building a time machine, then you would need a lot of people, right? So how about the scientists that made the time beans or whatever? And you'd also need, like, the mechanics and stuff. So what if you took someone who had, like, never built anything before and didn't know anything about it and told them to build a time machine? Like, would they? I just don't think they'd be right for the job. Okay, so I think what you're saying is that even if 
this specific thing is new, there are still other experiences that they can draw from. So we want somebody who has experiences that are related to the thing. And in this case, Eleanor is definitely right for that job, right? She has been involved in all kinds of schemes. She has been through the good place multiple times. She has definitely, she definitely knows more about the inner workings of the afterlife than just about any human on the planet, right? So she definitely has experience to help put her in the position to do this job well. So when I think about the skills that a leadership needs, one of the biggest things is that they need to listen to the people around them and be able to communicate ideas back to those people in a way that keeps everybody informed. Because I think, I'm thinking from my own experiences here, because I've had a lot of jobs and I've had good bosses and bad bosses and a boss is a kind of leader. And the bosses who did the best job were the ones who weren't so caught up in the things that they thought that they stopped listening to the people around them. And the bosses that did the best job were the ones who were able to take those ideas, give credit to the people who originally came up with them, but then also put them into action in in the world around them in a way that only the person in charge can do. But does Eleanor meet all these expectations? Is like she a good listener? But, like, I don't think she is, but is there anyone else who is a good listener that has all the other qualities that Eleanor has? I mean, nobody's, or Pobody's nerfect. Um, <laughs> but I just, like, I just don't think that you could find somebody like Eleanor with the other qualities that she might need. So then sometimes the best leader is just the person who is the best and available for the role? Is that where we're going with? Yes. I mean, I do think it's important that we don't expect our leaders to be perfect because they're not going to be. I think um, we've seen this with like presidential elections where someone will say, well, I can't vote for this person because they don't meet all of these perfect standards, but no one is going to, especially not somebody who has had the life experience that allows them to be in that position to begin with. And so I think kind of what you're calling for is a more pragmatic view. And pragmatic means that you focus on the results that they can accomplish and that maybe pragmatically Eleanor is the best leader because who else could step into this role and fill it? Who else is available? And yeah, I think think you're right that she might not be perfect as a leader all around, but She is the best that we've got, and I think she's working to get better at it. And a lot of times, the skills that you need to be a leader can only be built through leading. And so you've got to kind of stumble through it a bit. So that's why I think the team, minus Eleanor, didn't really think this through when they were talking about replacing her. Replace her with who? And ultimately, they recognize that themselves. They apologize to her, and her new plans are put into action, and they're testing them out, and they seem to be working by the end of the episode. So to wrap up this episode a bit, a couple things we haven't talked about yet is the plan that Eleanor put into place with Brent, which is... Chidi certainly would not be okay with this plan if he was, you know, had all of his memories and knew what we were talking about because it involved lying. It told Brent that there was a best place and that it was a good deeds competition to see who got into it. So now he's acting kind, even though he doesn't believe it at all. He's just trying to get into a better good place. And so, um, but 
when Michael points out that that doesn't actually help him earn points, Eleanor reminds him that she did something similar to avoid getting caught and that eventually those kind acts became habits that helped reframe the way that she looked at the world. So she's hoping the same thing will happen to Brent. Elsewhere. Trouble. So Janet um, dings to Jason and says that she needs space and that she can't deal with the relationship on top of running an entire neighborhood. So she says that maybe they should not break up, just take a break until all of this is over. And um, Jason is really sad because he says, and I quote, that Janet was his entire afterlife, and he doesn't know how he will ever get over her. So that's where we're at as we head into next week's episode. Definitely some dynamics are going to be changed. Chidi now thinks that he and Simone are soulmates. Simone is beginning to think that the world might actually be real. Brent is busy trying to earn enough points to get into the best place, and Jason is heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs>